confidence and self-esteem is about an acknowledgement, respect, and even admiration for your own abilities and values. When you really respect and acknowledge your own value, the confidence comes. The self-esteem is there. You have esteem for yourself. And that was the change. When everything was removed, I learned to acknowledge my true value rather than find praise from other people to give me value. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe and you are listening to The Cicado Show with Dr. Rowe and Harms. Cicado means to seek turning points. And on this show where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today, the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you will have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level. To give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. jump into the show let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a cicado supporter now if you love what we do on the show have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now by supporting the show we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 steps to success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. Hello, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode. And I'm super excited that I can finally use the name Cicado Show. We'll talk about that in a bit more detail shortly. Let's dive into the episode. And this episode is about confidence and self-esteem. Because as we journey through life, we experience many ups and downs and challenges that can affect us on a personal and sometimes deeply emotional level. No matter what age we are, 
these experiences can affect our self-confidence and self-esteem. Sometimes we are not even aware that this is happening or we consciously choose to ignore it. Low confidence can show up in our careers or when we are wanting to share a new idea with others. This can include when starting a new business or going into a new relationship. Now, this is a subject that I know Dr. Rowe has been passionate about for many years and one that is coming to the surface more now than ever with the global changes, including technological changes that are happening right now. For this reason, we want to bring in the subject of confidence and self-esteem into the Cicado show in order to help you identify whether it's something that you are experiencing or you may have someone close to you in your circle that is also having challenges with this that needs to raise it to their awareness. And today we are privileged to have with us a special guest who through her career has worked with many people on this exact area of confidence and self-esteem. And on the personal note, when I personally think of the word confidence, only a handful of people's faces pop into my head. One of those being our guest today. So over to you, Ro, to introduce our special guest today. <laughs> Thank you, Harminda, and welcome to the Cicado Show. I love that term. Yes. Can I just explain some briefly what it means? Let's, let's dive into it. We okay. can evolve it over the next couple of episodes, but just shortly. <laughs> well, okay, so, so the reason this is actually really pertinent right now is because Cicado is a, a word that's derived from seeking and cardo, which is about turning points. And as you know, my passion is turning points. And the person that I'm about to introduce you to, I met when she came through one of my turning point events. So what an amazing experience to have her as the first person wow. coming through as uh, as we come through as Cicado show. So I'm about to introduce you to Siobhan Birmingham. Siobhan, thanks for joining us. Before I do a formal introduction, are you there? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Fantastic. So as usual, let me do a formal introduction to Siobhan and then I'm going to kind of just give a personalized message before we delve into her story and get a bit more about it and then expand on self-confidence and self-esteem. So Siobhan was born, and if you're outside the UK, she was born in a place called Cheltenham, which is on the west side of the country. And from a young age, she had a real passion for performing arts, which led her really to a first professional job in that field at 11 years of age and she's had many since unfortunately and we've heard this with a couple of people actually you know in a second year of performing arts at college Siobhan suffered a serious back injury which ended her dancing career and for those of you listening this is why it's so important to be diverse in the way you approach life as well have multiple opportunities to generate wealth and security but it you know, in her case, it literally changed the trajectory of her life. After a long recovery, she chose to focus on acting and f her fascination, I think, for human behavior and the human mind really came out of that experience. So she literally deep dived into personal development events, self-study, listening to s audios, seminars. She went through various coaching techniques, became a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, which, by the way, is a really intense process. And this is a skill set that she takes to a completely different level, which is why I've worked with her for so many years within what we do as well. And I'll explain that in just a moment. She began building a communication and public speaking coaching business within the private client base alongside everything she was doing in her acting career. So this passion for personal development and personal evolution has come from that very early age and you know, when she was in her teens. And 
she's coached clients from all walks of life. And I've personally witnessed this both at my events, but also people that have been through and worked with her since she's known me as well. So this includes investors, lawyers, if you're listening to this, bankers, teachers, people that run their own businesses, people in jobs, wanting to improve their career, wanting to build their confidence, couples in relationships, individuals in relationships. I mean, the list goes on. And she's had a real passion for this subject now. I mean, certainly in the time I've known her, it's just double, triple, quadrupled. And I think it's just grown over her own experiences as well. But to take you back a little bit to show the connection between myself and Siobhan, in 2013, she attended a turning point event that I was running. And it was 12 days after her father had just passed away. And where, you know, maybe friends and family and people around her may not have necessarily thought it was a good idea to go to a seminar. And often that's the case when we've got people around us, she chose to be there because she realized she just needed to keep growing. And in the first two or three hours of that event, uh, you know, I looked at the audience and I was asking, has anybody got a challenge? And uh, some hands went up. And for some reason, I was just completely drawn to Siobhan. And I asked her to come to stage. And I'm sure she might mention this at some point during the podcast. But we went through an intervention, which right in front of my eyes, I saw a shift happen, a whole perception of her father's passing away changed dramatically and uh, you know a new friendship was born literally on that stage since then uh, Siobhan went on to just go through this huge personal development growth she certainly came through a lot of my own programs but I just wanted her to be part of what we did so she's been an integral part now of my own personal brand and I see her as being the brand as well in many ways she's helped us build the business she's helped at events going through transformation working with people she's one of the people I brought in very quickly to coach and now she's risen to a point where she's now our lead and I mean literally she is the head of the whole of our communication mastery system in terms of coaching so she leads that area when people need private one-to-one coaching to expand in those areas and over the last 10 years she's guided and coached hundreds of clients in public speaking, communication, personal development, and self-esteem. And it's this last area of confidence and self-esteem that Siobhan has discovered time and time again, that it directly impacts her happiness. And for me, I've seen this for the last 30 years. So I'm really glad that she's coming to the table to talk about this subject, because I've seen her in the space of a short session, take somebody and their whole self-esteem has gone to a totally different level. This is a skill set she has. She's on a mission right now. She's a mum. She's an amazing human being, and this is her passion. So Cicado, this seeking of turning points, is very much in her nature. That's the formal introduction. Just let me give you a couple of minutes from my side. Mm. Uh, If you ask me to describe Siobhan, I would say radiant. These are words that come to mind straight away. Radiant, feminine, flowing, fun-loving, passionate, an amazing mum. She's also somebody that is very graceful. She's extremely elegant. She's bloody determined. She is ferociously passionate and she's incredibly loyal. And, and over the years I've known her, she I've never seen her once back down from a situation. So you are absolutely privileged to have an absolutely beautiful person on today. And, uh, you know, I, I just look at her as somebody that I'm I'm glad to have you in my life. So Siobhan, it's an absolute privilege to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. That's amazing to hear that. Thank you both. Thank you, Hans, as well, for having me. It is I know this is a passion this is a passion of yours, isn't it? Uh, this subject. Yes. Um, we Messages. could have picked so many because you, you know you work with people on so many different levels. And communication is probably not another one we need to bring you back on. I think Definitely people hearing me describe you, and Harms, I know, loves you dearly as well. Can you help us 
for the listeners, just give us sort of a, a bit of a journey. Give us a brief journey on you as a young person and bringing you up to today so that where you are today, so they understand the thread that took you to this point and having helped so many people. Mm. Yes, thank you. I think that's a good place to start. So you used some interesting words to describe me and thank you for that lovely description. Some words that stood out to me that shows maybe the echoes of how I was previously showing up and the qualities that were positive and then how I've grown, I think would say that determination and that ferocity is something that I had from a young age. I, I'm the youngest of six children. I have five older brothers and I've oh <laughs> just to paint a picture, you know. <laughs> I was raised in a very traditional Irish Catholic family. You know, as a child, you ask questions and you're just a sponge to the world. So I looked around and thought, you know, why are these siblings? Doesn't matter that they're boys, why are they stronger? Why do they get to say what we do just because they're older? So it brought out this kind of bit of ferocity mm. and this desire to win, this desire to be seen and to prove that I'm just as good because at that young age, I didn't realize the power of being a woman. I just wanted to prove I was equal to them rather than realizing I was great in my own way as a feminine female woman and young girl then. Um, so I think that helped my determination and ferocity and uh, my family, if you ever meet them, every single one is a very determined person. So I think it's something in our in our makeup. And linking this to the theme of what we're talking about, I based my confidence and self-esteem on external achievements. So that ferocity, I was very athletic. I was used to winning everything I did. And I always knew, even if I wasn't the best, there was no way somebody else was going to win, you know, yeah. in, in sports, you know, my, when my hockey coach used to say, you know, if we were doing a match and she wanted more from me, she'd say, come on, Siobhan, be a Birmingham because my son is Birmingham. My older brothers went to the school and it's like this ferocity would come out that I had to win, you know, and I had to live up to that name and that reputation. So as brilliant as that was for a period of time, there's a, there's a famous phrase, fake it till you make it. And I think deep down, that's kind of what I was doing. Okay. I was I was putting on and living up to an external idea of what I should be and what success is. And this worked very well for several years because I did well as a performer. I loved the applause. I loved the acknowledgement. And then when the universe hit me with a challenge and said, okay, enough is enough. Let's give you this back injury that is an opportunity for growth because I truly believe Every challenge is an opportunity for growth. Suddenly, I felt like my world just crumbled because I had—I wasn't the usual kid that would go out and have fun. Like I was about to say, waste time with parties. That was my attitude. Waste time partying every evening. I was hmm. going to dancing, acting, singing classes from the middle of the de from the end of school until nine thirty, sometimes ten o'clock at night. As soon as I was doing my A levels, I would work to get these cards you get you know so that if you've done really good behavior on your free periods you can leave and come back and I would rush to the gym do a 30 minute workout and then drive back to school to carry on classes to, for my A-levels so I was just hardcore determination um, but like I said the injury happened my whole purpose and focus had to change and uh, I was very stubborn and used to seeing my sense of self-worth based on my physical attraction being the best, looking good, and coming first, preferably not second. 
And then I found myself in bed, struggling to walk with a walking stick, taking up to 20 tablets a day just to control the pain enough so I could shower every couple of days. And the other days I would have to just wash from the bed. My ego was so strong that I wouldn't even let my family know how unwell I was. I refused to return to my hometown. I lived in London and I was unable to work. And I was struggling to even make meals or eat properly because of the pain I was in. And that's when I went to a really deep, dark place. And I, I'll admit I was suicidal. And the doctors explained that a lot of it was to do with I was used to working, doing 40 hours of exercise a week. That's a load of endorphins. And then I had all this pain. So there was a massive chemical imbalance that was naturally happening from the change of lifestyle. And they say, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just remember thinking, there's just dark. There isn't a tunnel and a light that I'm working towards. There's just dark. But I remember saying to myself when things were really bad, if you just wait until the morning before deciding to finish things, just wait one more day for that little girl that works so hard. Sorry, getting a little emotional because it was a really powerful place to be. And I remember noticing each time I said that and I started a new day, that if I could make myself wait one more day, then that was my mind that told me to do that. And if my mind could make me choose to take and go for things one more chance, one more day, then maybe I could keep doing that. And maybe my mind is what could get me out of that darkness. And maybe it was my mind that could turn my life around. And it was in that moment where I chose that I wasn't going to give up each day when I started to notice that I decided maybe there's something to this mind and this power that can make my life be something else. Mm. And maybe that's what I should focus my success and my determination on rather than all these surface things that had got me to the point that I could have everything removed and feel like I myself was nothing. Right. And I think that's where the fascination came. And from that point, I chose all that I did in personal development and all that I did in my acting studying was about understanding the mind and why we do what we did. And I was determined that if there was even one person out there that was in that darkness like I was, I want them to know and to help them because it was the audios, the YouTube videos, all these different things that I would play over and over even when I couldn't stand listening to anymore that helped me through. And maybe one day my audio will play for somebody else and they'll wait one more day like I did. I think you just raised a great point there because I've been there a couple of times in the past where you you know you need to listen to something and you might have even heard it before and you don't really want to put it on or listen to it, but you just know something out of that voice or that message or that recording, just one word or one sentence can just shift you, can't it? Definitely. And often it's the times that we don't want to do it that we need to do it the exactly. most. Yeah. Definitely. It was the times when I felt the most resistance and the most rage and frustration that I thought, okay, that's because something's being uncovered. Now you've got to make yourself listen even more. And I love that because as you come through that journey, you know, you ended explaining that, you know, you hope if somebody else is in a similar position or in a dark place or seeking something, they would... Uh, so so coming full circle you are now sharing that message one via the podcast but also I know personally uh, mm. through your social media channels through your own personal business and coaching you share this message often so without a doubt somebody will be picking this message up so that's a beautiful thing because that story will be relevant to so many people who maybe haven't shared it 
in an open space or like you did back then you were shared not not scared that's probably I'm just putting a word into that frame but you did not want to let your family experience what you was experiencing as such because of the ego and a lot of people would be going through that in their own sort of worlds the closest people to them they wouldn't be sharing that feeling with right definitely I think there was a fear of admitting that I was couldn't handle it and there was the ego that feeling of failure or what how they might judge or whether they would understand and those are often things that everybody worries about whatever level of challenge they're having it doesn't need to be a place of darkness and suicidal feelings it can be that you feel stuck in your life or you feel stuck in your career and sometimes we're hesitant to reach out and let close family members know I don't know how to handle this challenge or I feel overwhelmed which is why it's wonderful there's so much content online where you can reach out sometimes to somebody that's been on a similar journey because our families aren't always on the same journey as us so they might not always be able to relate to where we're at and where we want to go yeah understood to give me some context what age was you approximately when when you was going through this time because I'm I'm personally conscious that there's going to be a whole generation and I right. often on the podcast agreed and the show talk from a voice of my generation anybody in their teens 20s 30s and then row handles anybody above that what age was you so they have context because as you know and and myself and Rowan know that people relate best to somebody based on how close they were in to them in that scenario whether it's age whether it's uh, where they live in the world what whether what job they have but for for me if somebody can say oh my goodness you was that age and I'm this age I can also make a shift I can also focus on my mind and make that shift as you've described to us Good question. I think there's definitely the connection of ages. And then there's also, I believe, as spiritual beings, our souls are almost different ages as well. So I've always been a bit of a a different age in the way I come across, possibly. Well, I've always but described would... you as having an older soul. I think I said that yes. to you a very, very early meet when we first sat down. Yes. Yeah. People often say that. So in this physical world, physical container that I'm in, this body, I was 20 when that happened wow. so can I ask 20 a going 21 22 it was like a year and a half before I started being able to walk and sit I could it was about a year and a half then I could sit for an hour without being almost unable to walk from pain Goodness. but still I was it was still a continuing journey but I think that's spiritually a reminder of the mm. work you know that I had to continue doing for a few years. Mm, very true. So, so I'm, I'm mindful of our listeners as well. And because we're obviously mm. going through your story here, when they're listening to you, there might be people that go, oh, okay, so maybe that my approach needs to be, I'll not speak to my family and I'll just get ferocious, get my head down and do that. What, you know, what is something that someone can take away from this point in your journey? Is it a case of actually, no, just get on with it and don't tell your family or actually, maybe it is okay to open up to your family depending on the circumstances because I'm just mindful of the, the lesson and the message that's coming out of even this part of your journey. Yes, good question. Thank you. I think that it's important that we do reach out. So I was sharing that I struggled to do so and that was because I had this defensive barrier going on mm. and this attachment to the way I was used to being. But I think reaching out is so powerful. And personally, because I didn't know how to reach out at that time, I actually reached out to friends 
and I had a friend also suggest to me that Mind. It has this uh, it's this organisation, a charity, oh, yeah. where you can call up and speak to somebody who doesn't know you, who will just listen. And that's how I started. I started by speaking and having somebody listen and somebody not judge. And that gave me the courage to then eventually speak to different family members as well as friends. Mm. And of course, like I said, I mentioned the doctors. I was seeking medical help because I was in a physically in a difficult medical condition I was seeing lots of specialists mm. and then also mentally I was working on that as well so definitely reach out to people and if you feel uncomfortable reaching out to one person reach out to another just because one doesn't quite understand or know how to respond doesn't mean that it's the same for everybody else and just remember not to judge yourself I think we're our harshest critics so mm, really it wasn't what my family would say. It's really the voice inside me that I was projecting onto them. What would be useful at some point during this is, and I know there's probably something might come out of the questions is thinking about people in my generation who are parents, mm. two children who are exactly the same age as you were. Maybe mm. we could just give them some clues of what to look for, the signs that maybe they're reading as being the wrong signs. And, and actually it's a sign that their child has got an issue or a, a challenge or a self-esteem confidence challenge and maybe a couple of ways in to, to guide them to open that conversation up before we finish. Nice question. Let's do that. Yes. Amazing. So, so I wanted to pivot because <laughs> that has We could spend hours just on this one. I know. Just talking, about, just talking about your just that amazing journey that you've been on and, and then through that helping people positive result of that. So pivoting back to the main overarching message about confidence and self-esteem now looking at your story there was a point where your identity and your confidence your confidence and self-esteem came from the identity that had been either projected on you or created within your own mind and as you shifted through this the injury and the pain it's is it was it fair to say that the confidence was then crushed it was removed the self-esteem was removed and then how did you go back to this point in time where you've actually re-established that, rebuilt the confidence and self-esteem? It's a bit bit of a long question, but hopefully that makes sense. Thank you. Good question. I'll I'll angle that slightly by, I think, clarifying what how I now define what confidence and self-esteem is. Because I think in the past I had a different definition for it. And that challenging scenario that I explained is was just the universe going, wake up you're looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. This is what self-esteem and confidence really is. Totally. And here's an opportunity for you to do a total reset. And that's exactly what I did. So in a way I was blessed because the universe removed everything. So I had no choice but to start again. Mm. Whereas sometimes we have a situation where we're working on one bit, then we work on another bit of ourselves, then we work on another bit. But I almost had a, a full reset in one go. Um, and there's positives and challenges with each of those. So... I'm going to define confidence and self-esteem slightly differently to how the listeners uh, may have been used to previously. And I'm actually going to focus a little bit on the definition of esteem. And okay, so, so, so just for the listeners' understanding then, the best, so the best way to answer my question there is to then define it. Is that fair to yes, say? Yes. Okay, makes so, sense. So I believe that confidence and self-esteem is about an acknowledgement, respect, and even admiration for your own abilities and values. When you really respect and acknowledge your own value, 
the confidence comes. The self-esteem is there. You have esteem for yourself. And that was the change. When everything was removed, I learned to acknowledge my true value rather than find praise from other people to give me value. Rather than needing to come first in a competition and be told I was the best to give myself value and sense of self-worth, instead I looked within at my own abilities, how I really respected and felt about myself. And that's where the confidence came from. That was the change coming from within rather than looking for external things to boost me up because that becomes an addiction. You're always looking for something else, something else, something else to tell you you're good enough. And the change was, let's go within for my self-esteem and confidence. Mm, wow, that, that's, that's beautiful because what a typical person out there or society would define as confidence and self-esteem is walking in the door saying, hey, look who it is, I'm here. Uh, look how confident I am. Look how loud my voice is. Look how, how great I'm in a social circle. That is a society's sort of way to describe confidence and off the back of that self-esteem whereas your message is just take away that external it's all it's all within you and and understanding and loving your own value and so that's an incredibly refreshing for myself but also for the listeners no doubt a definition of what confidence and self-esteem is thank you and you know I was an actress I was good at acting confident I was really good at acting confident being smiley walking into the room and acting as if I had all my shit together when I didn't. And that comes back to the lovely point you made, Ro, about some things that parents can look out for. And I'm really conscious of this as a mother, being able to have that open communication with my daughter and valuing her and praising her for her values as a person, not just achievements, mm. so that she doesn't base her self-worth and how how good she is on the rewards or the test results at school but instead her values and her character as a person because that is there regardless of your exams or regardless of who exactly. came first or last yeah. so that's one of the key things I would say to look out for and that was the shift because I the whole fake it till you make it that's what I had been doing I was acting confident and I was when I was around people I was more insecure around, I was doing that external thing that you described, Harms, being even more confident, being a little bit more loud, almost to knock away any noise they might make if they were te- going to criticise me. I mean, the, the, there's Defensive. probably the subject of social media has to drop into this podcast yes. because a lot of that is, is built around this whole experience we're having at the moment in the world. But I, so there's a couple of things on my mind. One, I want to keep us going through the story so we kind of get a sense of what got you to here. But at the same time, uh, something that just flashed into my mind was a great story that, that the late Dr. Wayne Dyer shared. And that was about, I think it was his daughter coming in from school and saying, oh, you know, Johnny doesn't like me. Johnny doesn't like me. Johnny doesn't like me. And he quietly said to his daughter do you like you and she said yeah I, I do like me and he said that's all that counts as long as you like you it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks and that's that early feeling that we have even in the school environment where we define ourselves by how someone else sees us or if somebody likes us or not and a beautiful yes. message from Dr Wayne Dyer yes and another beautiful message from Dr Wayne Dyer that I absolutely loved that I feel just registers deeper and deeper within me the more I consider it the gist I haven't got the exact words is that you know the child coming home from school and saying you know Johnny doesn't like me or whatever the child name doesn't like me he said I'm this 
let's say he said I'm I'm not as good as him and Dr Wayne Dyer explained to his child well if you like you then what does that matter if Johnny says you're a tree are you a tree and the child laughs he says, if Johnny says you're a car are you a car what if what if you get on all fours and he tries to put the petrol in your spout are you a car now and of course you're not and we think of that and we think that'd be so ridiculous that somebody says we're a car we're not a car yet if they say we're stupid or we're ugly why is it we mm. take it deeper because somewhere deep within we've forgotten our own value so we doubt ourselves and wonder if there's some truth in what they've said that's the difference yeah because we know we're not a tree but if they say some criticism or some nasty observation of character the pain comes because we've doubted something in ourselves which is why i come back to my definition which is about acknowledging and respecting your own ability and value mm. and, and just before we move on interestingly that applies to both sides right one is the negative i you know Johnny, you're not a true, you're Johnny, you're not as good as me, but also the opposite, which is what you've described as part of your early story in terms of you are the first, you are a champion, you are ferocious. It can work on both sides. I think, Ro, you mm. wanted to ask to close off or maybe just finish Well, yeah, off I mean, for me, it's it's, it's quite nice because I know Siobhan's story. And so for her to open up and share some of this, you know, in this space is, is, is a blessing for all of our listeners. So te- just... W- move us through a little bit more of the journey that sort of got you into the, the coaching and uh, and to where you are today well of course you've mentioned the turning point that I attended yeah um, and that was really powerful that was literally the second exercise you did that oh, weekend no. and I just I just knew in me that I had to be there and then obviously when you got me up on the stage and you said you know asked me what the challenge was and I said that my father had passed 12 days ago it was a minute of it was a moment of oh well, my the whole gosh. room I think there's like 100 people that you could have heard a, a coin drop couldn't yes you? yes and that that process you took me to, through was just so powerful it totally shifted my perception mm. of my father passing and just thank you again I can never thank you enough times for that it was incredible and that just reaffirmed the power of the work that you do and the power of personal development, mindset growth. That was another moment, a turning point in my life where I'd felt hopeless and I felt like a lot of my purpose, a lot of, you know, my father was such a huge role model and, and, a, and a hero to me. So when he went, and I was only 22 at the time, mm. um, that was, so I was just coming out of the back issue and then boom, that happened, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, whoa, you know, I was working on my coaching and then suddenly that happens. Well, you were just um, so... I mean, thank you for the thank you, but actually you were just ready. And that, mm. the rest of that weekend, for those of you listening, Siobhan became this beacon of light for all the other hundred and something people that were there because her being on stage and having a different perception, but accepting and, and, and you know, I think we talked about you are love. It's a phrase I wrote down when you were just talking about your values. And I remember that phrase, you are love, became a phrase for the whole weekend. And people were coming up to Siobhan and thanking her because what she went through on stage helped them go through their own shift. And this is the beauty of being around other people that are going through emotional changes. So you, you affected other people's lives by the very fact that you were going through that change yourself. Yes. And I think that's the power of attending events like that yeah, because true. you're in this atmosphere together. It doesn't matter if you're the one that's up on the stage doing the exercise or not, you are journeying with everyone. And we're, we're, mm. especially your events, everyone's supporting each other. Everyone's like, one big family Mm. and there is that connection people are encouraged to support each other and 
be in the journey together, not just externally viewing something. There's no judgment there, True. which is why it's such a blessing and why I was like, you know, <laughs> I'll admit it. So there's this, there's this, um, on a slight tangent, there's this saying and, and Jim Rohn, the late Jim Rohn shared this a lot that your positivity, productivity and income is the average of the five people you're in most contact with. Absolutely. And when I truly observed that, I really made a change with who I was in contact with. Mm. And I'll be truthful, Ro, I went, I'm going to be around him. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, what event is he doing? I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to be so much value. You did. He's going to want to employ me. You did. And then one day he's going to want me to be his coach. (laughs) And guess what? It happened that way. I volunteered. I turned up. I made yeah. myself unbelievably valuable. <laughs> the you determination did. and relentlessness came in. And then later on, you employed me and I helped r- arrange your events yeah. and your other coaching. And, and still uh, do business. to some extent, albeit yes. COVID has changed things. But oh, and, yeah. and just jumping in there, although that's the story that Siobhan has gone from and through, the lesson there for young Oh my gosh, for everybody. I'm just thinking the same for, thing. For absolutely just listen everyone. To that. There's your formula. You know, that's, that's yeah. your formula of getting success in whatever success is to mm. you and you know we always talk about mentors and coaches and aligning yourself uh, and Siobhan's just literally lived out the formula and there it is but it goes full circle because we you know we're writing down a handful of people that we feel we can trust to bring onto the podcast and Siobhan's name is like in the top two or three people so it's great just shows you how much we grow and then we give and grow and give it's amazing and I think that's a, that's a mindset shift because I've been working with clients recently and, and particularly with what's happening in the world at the moment with the pandemic, there's a lot of fear around finances and the consequences and work situations. Yes. Yeah. So some people have been in challenging scenarios where they're possibly uh, being made redundant or they, they don't actually meet the requirements being made redundant. They're just losing their jobs. And I've actually even helped a client go from losing their job to now being handed a guaranteed income um, and a contract. because of that mindset shift and understanding that it's not about grabbing at the money it's about the value you bring and understanding this average of the five people you're around Mm. so I knew when I wanted to work with you Ro that it wasn't about how much money can I get from this job it was what am I going to learn how am I going to evolve overall and I'm happy to even do something that I know I want to be a coach one day but I'm going to work in his business learn everything help build with him align myself and then grow to be a coach like I am now. Mm. And I think that's a mindset shift rather than people going, I'm desperate. I don't know what's happening. Let's go find the highest paid job now. Right. And that's, but you've shown up like that all the time, relentlessly. Mm. So, so mm. for our listeners to get an idea, so give us an idea of, sort of the breadth of the type of people you've worked with and just broad stroke a few subjects. I mean, communication is obviously one that you're extremely good at, which is why you head up the, the CWI coaching there. But just just go broader than that, if you could. So um, I've worked with clients in all fields. So everything from performers on stage to performance in the, performers in the middle of Covent Garden. You know, when you walk around Covent Garden and you yeah, have street yeah, yeah. performers, I've coached some of those. <laughs> How to use communication techniques to draw a crowd in and hold their attention, even without microphones and the sound nice. all against you and people rushing around shopping. How do you draw them in and keep them there? So that's really challenging. But then I've also worked with teachers. I've worked a lot with clients who are either pitching their business is uh, working on sales on the phone investors and also teachers I've worked with clients banking world lawyers all sorts a whole spectrum and it usually comes down to somebody's level of confidence and self-esteem 
beliefs that are holding them back, fears or maybe emotionally significant experiences that, that are, they're still carrying around, like weights in a, in a rucksack that they carry with them everywhere they go, and just helping people to adjust their communication. I think actually, though we're talking about confidence and self-esteem, you're passionate about communication massively as well, Ro, and it's because, like, like you say, it is the new currency, mm. how we communicate, how we come across, that impacts everything. I think that's why we aligned so well, because I understood if I could learn to communicate better, I would straight away put myself on another level. I remember when I first started working with you and we would have some challenging things to deal with and I'd send these emails that were massive essays. Mm -hmm. You had to coach me like, Siobhan, I'm really busy and so is everybody else. You can't send a full-on essay. Here's a way to be more effective in your communication. And I'd be like, what if I just send four paragraphs instead of six? Because <laughs> so I was a details person. But oh my gosh, that shift in the communication, mm. focusing on what is my outcome? What is their outcome? Mm. How can I say that most effectively and succinctly? That was that was powerful. And that came up with clients, even when they were working on their relationships or when I was helping clients that were at the near point of divorce and, and looking at, is that the right direction or is it just yeah. there's some lack of communication and also some issues that haven't been dealt with? So, so here's a question then. So having gone all the way through this journey and worked with so many people, mm. I'm asking you from a coach's perspective now, to do with this subject what are the signs that someone is lacking confidence or self-esteem let's give our listeners some clues and for everyone listening please don't see any of this as a judgment this is about observation all of us myself included there's times when i mean i can remember going on stage and you know there's the likes of tony robbins back when i started to go and do big stage events and even though i knew my subject and even though i knew that i was there as a messenger to try and give the best I could in a, in a couple of hours in front of the audience, I still had these little twangs and, you know, and my heart starts to race a little bit. And, and that is partly this shit. Am I going to do a good enough job? Am I going to be able to get the message across? So we all have it at certain times, but I think it's important to know what to look for. And, and as Siobhan shares it with us, maybe make a note of this and notice it, whether it's in yourself and your kids or the people around you that you might be able to help. So and, what, what are the signs? And for myself, Siobhan, personally, I've got my notepad ready because as a new parent, with a young one <laughs> as he grows older i want to be able to spot the signs because you know it could I, I could be completely missing it 10 years down the line i completely missed the fact that it was a confidence and self-esteem issue so i'm super grateful that you're here talking about this subject so over to you thank you so i would say reiterating again like you said Ro, there's no judgment even myself as a performer when I knew all the steps and exactly what I used to do on stage there's a very well-known sort of joke that right before the curtains go up everyone's in the toilet judging themselves um, <laughs> mm. so you'd be like t t literally on the loo shaking because you're so nervous and that's just because you're about to go do something that may be slightly out of comfort zone and there's some self-doubt coming in so it's completely yeah. normal there's no criticism or judgment on anyone so let's just list out these things and they're little signals that you can notice for yourself for your children like you said harms and for friends if you want to help your friends out or family members as well I'd say there are two categories I'd say these fall into the ex internal and external things so some people go very internal in their sense of low self-esteem and uh, lack of confidence and that would show up in sometimes even having a quiet voice or a very weak voice when they speak because they almost don't have the courage to fully say 
what they want to say. Something that comes up a lot in our society, and it's a little bit of a a bugbear of mine and something that I know I, I hope to be able to help my daughter with in the future as she if she finds it challenging, is questions and statements we're actually taught these days, mm. kind of unconsciously in society, to not truly ask questions where your voice goes up at the end and make statements where your voice goes down or mm. stays level. Because there has to be a certain level of ownership with that. So if you say, would you like to go out for dinner with me? and put your voice up at the end, it's almost like it opens you up to possibly be rejected. So what people have started to do is play with their tonality and they don't really ask questions. They don't really make statements. So that's one that's for everyone. The voice in our head, that would be a big one for everyone. If there's a lot of negative talk in their head, maybe if your child is talking to you about something they're upset about, they may start to tell you some of the things they're thinking and feeling. If they're saying a lot of negative things about themselves, that might be that voice in their head that's telling them they're not good enough and you may can, maybe can help them to start to believe in themselves more or change some of those negative statements into positive statements. More signs, people can be quite quiet in a crowd or in a group when you go out for dinner. They might be people pleasers. They want to agree. They never really disagree or offer an opposing opinion. They're always nodding along and saying yes. That can be a big sign of a lack of self-esteem and confidence someone that's afraid to say no or disagree, they, they might show in their behaviour they don't really want to do what you're suggesting, but they won't disagree with you because they're lacking that courage. And how do those, so just picking up on that last one, how does someone spot this? Is it in their face? Is it the way they say it? Is it in their body language? What What's the big sign that somebody can look at their children or look at their friends in a social circle or even internally look at themselves in the mirror and say, oh my goodness, I'm displaying these signs. Mm. So extreme signs are very clear signs that are easy to spot would be shoulders rolled forwards, head slightly down, weak body language, almost apologising for the space they take up, trying to make themselves physically smaller. When they sit at a restaurant or at a table, they'll take up very little space on the table. They won't, they won't even spread out their, ta- their, their handbag or their mm. briefcase and their knife and fork and their drink. They'll almost push it to the edge. Some people literally do this. They'll squidge themselves into the corner so they take up very little space. Okay, so it's when like they... putting their handbag on their lap. So they sit down yeah. at the dinner table, handbag goes on yeah. their lap. Because I, I physically, now I'm just thinking about things that I've seen. So they put the handbag on their lap and sometimes it just They'll move their there. drink very close to them. They'll move their knives and forks in a bit. They'll even squidge closer to the wall. So they have less space and the person next to them has three quarters of that side of the table. And then add, add to that tiny little movements in the head, the shift of yes. the head angle by lack of eye, eye, eye contact. Um, yeah, yeah, breathing. Yes. Amazing little signs that all combine to express this lack of confidence, isn't it? Yes. And the voice, not really sending their voice so it reaches you, almost their voice petering away like they're talking down to their lap or they're talking down to the floor. So that would be how people kind of crumble, what I would say, going inwards. Now, the other way of the signs of lack of confidence and self-esteem is the people that put on the show. Um, And I've been I've done both of these versions. So on the show, that's where they project outward this sense of confidence. And it's like putting up a wall, like a barrier to protect themselves. So they can often be quite loud, quite defensive. Maybe they want to speak louder than everybody else in the group will speak over everybody else in the group, not from a sense of passion, but almost trying to overpower what's being Mm -hmm. said to dominate the conversation. And that comes back to this theme of arrogance, which is actually an indication of a lack of self-worth, trying too hard. So the opposite end 
to the crumbling down would be almost taking up too much space, wanting to dominate the table at the dinner table, wanting to take up more than their share, not being aware of the people around them because they just want to be the centre of attention, not because they're passionate about the thing they just said, but because they're almost pushing their energy out so much, they're being so loud, so big, that they're stopping anybody else from getting close to them. So it's like the person on the dance floor who goes to each group stands in the middle and just goes for a dance and then moves on to the next group, goes for a dance, yes. and they've gone all the way around the dance floor. So it's that opposite extreme of what you described in the internal. Yes, and I love your example because you said dance with one group in the middle, then go to the other. So they're not, that moment wasn't about having fun dancing in the middle and then watching their friend dance in the middle and then interacting and exchanging energy. Instead, it was, I'm going to be the centre of attention here, then I'm going to run away before I get a reaction and be the centre of attention somewhere else, just in case those people rejected me. So just jumping on this lovely description here, as a parent, you know, the mm. two of myself and Stina, over the first two or three years of being parents, we became really acutely aware of how when parents over complimented their children and literally made a massive wow out of absolutely everything they did, we then noticed over the coming years, those very same children almost adopted this description that you've both described there about wanting to dance with you because what we found then in in the class environment when they came to sort of events at home or get togethers gatherings you know children's parties whatever that very same child that was always being complimented for absolutely everything they did and there was massive wows for even the slightest thing they then were searching for that even in their peer group so we've seen it in the school uh, in children growing up so it becomes something a child may be not even aware of but it's almost a result of how the parents have managed that through, I don't know if this is making sense but managed that through their early years they they are seeking the approval of the parents but when the parents aren't there they're starting to seek it from other people around them they want to be seen to be a certain person in front of their their peers their friends 100% and there's a book the four agreements by is it Don Miguel Ruiz and it talks about uh, the four agreements and the domestication of humans mm. and how exactly what you said uh, these bundles of joys, these pure babies come into the world and often out of functionality and, and it starts off that we teach them don't touch that because it's dangerous. Uh, you know, we encourage them to walk, we encourage them to try to feed themselves. There's a lot of praise to help them do the things they need to do. And then that shifts into, I'm going to scold you when you do something I don't want you to do. And I will praise you when you do the things I do want you to do. So you'll behave a certain way so I can domesticate you based on how our society sees that you should behave. Mm. And then we start to shape and mold the child. And now as, as a mother, I totally understand so much better and I think that's the blessing of being a parent you get to understand your own parents even more but isn't it isn't it understand. isn't it challenging though because it's that yeah. it's such a fine line yeah my daughter and now she's starting to learn words so of course she's learned the word apple so she loves when she gets an apple points at it and says apple and she loves the reaction which is exactly what you said and I want to praise her because she's also checking is she managing to say the word and I want her to be able to learn words but then also there's this whole thing of she's so delighted when she's praised. You can see she then starts to think of what else can I do yeah. mm. to get that reaction. And, you know, you want to give them the praise. But at the same time, you don't want to condition them exactly. to always need to seek the praise. So I think it's about relaxing the rules for ourselves, not worrying about getting it right as parents and being perfect because there is no perfect. But just being conscious of signs, particularly as they grow up and you can communicate in more detail and depth 
to be able to then point out qualities of behaviour. And we can do that from small things they do. But of course, on a basic level, when they're toddlers and when they're babies, they do respond to happy or angry, happy or angry. And as they evolve, you can then start to focus on the qualities of them as a character or responding like Dr. Wayne Dyer said with, uh, you know, what does it matter if Johnny likes you? Do you like you? You know, and he shares stories of his children coming home and getting stars and coming first. And he wasn't really interested in that, but he was interested in what they learned and what they enjoyed doing and focusing on those things rather than the, were you the best or not? Amazing. Can I just add one thing that we found? And it was interesting because I I was trying to find a way to round it off. And what we, what we discovered worked really well was asking, did you enjoy that? Was that fun? So with, as, as they became more comp, and this is the shift that happens around four or five years of age, six years of age. We we were conscious of rounding off if there was something that did really well or a compliment. It came with a, did you enjoy that? So that they associated the fun and the enjoyment of the experience as opposed to the, the seeking of the praise. And for us, it's it's worked well, we found. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's such a good point because I think that was the thing that I didn't focus on. Mm. I'm not saying that my parents didn't. I'm just saying that that's something that I didn't focus on as a child. It right. was like, it doesn't matter how hard I work. Or, you know, the whole, there's no pain without gain. Mm. All these stuff that were things that were very strong messages I was receiving, you know, everywhere, not just in the family, but school, everything, which is why education is such a huge thing as well. Um, it was about, you can suffer, but it's about the result. And actually we're saying, and you're saying, Ro, actually you need to enjoy what mm. you do. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay, so I want to shift gears to this uh, show and podcast now. There was a word that you said when answering the previous question, which was arrogance. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it sort of came out in the way we described maybe the way somebody portrays themselves as as external. But from your experience working with a whole group of people in different areas and coaching them and helping them get through those potential confidence and self-esteem blocks, what have you observed is the difference between confidence and arrogance? Great. Yeah, I'm glad we're making time for this because I think, first of all, it's important to understand that arrogance is a defensive mechanism. It's showing, portraying, putting on a show of confidence and being the best because deep down that person is lacking that self-esteem and confidence they're not really acknowledging respecting and admiring their true values and abilities they're basing everything on I'm better than you I come first this is my value it's it's a show it's a front it's trying to be the best based on external things so I would say first of all we have to understand there's pain underneath it there's sadness underneath it because people can be judged a lot for being arrogant and that's because sometimes bully behavior or aggressive behavior comes out. So I understand mm. if the listeners are maybe have a, I've had this before with a boss, mm. that's a bully and it's just horrible. So it's totally understandable if you're struggling with somebody that's arrogant or aggressive mm. and you, you know, you have a right to feel that way, but it helps sometimes to understand that that aggression and that arrogance is covering up some pain underneath. It humanizes the person. So um, signs of arrogance would be, they can be quite sparky, uh, spiky quite 
aggressive, um, hard in their personality. Mm. There isn't a softness and openness of vulnerability. When they talk to you, there's almost a defensiveness and then they're, they're focusing on how they're going to reply and often how their reply is going to trump, be better than what you said. Mm. Or they always mm, have yeah. to have the answer. Yes. Even when they don't have the answer, they will try to say things as if they do. And sometimes you've got the answer and they'll repeat what you've said in a slightly different, different way. Yes. It's the, it's the round dinner the table where that, that person yeah. has the last story to tell. I've just come up yeah. with the idea. They always yeah. have the last story. Yeah, and they'll be like, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually said before to you, and they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> You're thinking, where's this camera? I'm going to replay every conversation we've ever had because this was not your idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, why I think that's a great definition the way you've identified that is because my generation now we're going through a a real challenging time in the sense that we are having to speak out either through passion or desperation on some real mm. big subjects in the world uh, and they've all been popping up recently and the challenge we have is some people are talking and communicating from a place of arrogance mm. and if they could shift to what you've just described there in confidence they will get their message across more powerfully, more with, with more impact, more effectively. Authentically as well. And more yeah. authentically. Yeah. And that was, that's the key word uh, mm. that I was searching for, actually. What's, what, what do you think? Do you agree with that, Siobhan? Because what are you seeing? I know you, you're a heavy use of social media for your business, not necessarily personally, but what have you observed when people are talking or, or my generation are communicating out in the world do you feel it comes from a place of authentic confidence or does it come from this place of arrogance? Great observation, Harms. I, I think it's a lot, not all, of course, yeah. a lot comes from aggression and arrogance as a way to be loud and be heard because maybe they're fed up, maybe they've observed things they don't like or they're angry and frustrated and they want to be heard and seen so they try to make themselves bigger louder be heard above the crowd rather than trusting and acknowledging again I say it their ability and their value and knowing if they're just them and they allow themselves to be open to be honest to be vulnerable to know that they're enough their message would resonate for generations mm. decades lifetimes but sometimes particularly because we're in this challenging time where there's a lot of social media a lot of how many likes did you get how many views did you get how many comments did you get? How many DMs do people say they want to be your boyfriend or girlfriend? Right. You know, and that surface level reactions and responses. So there's, there's unfortunately this focus going where people are looking at surface level things and it's, it's a shift in consciousness. <laughs> and I think we also need to remember that there's always going to be the spectrum. There's always going to be the pendulum sl- swinging from one extreme to the other there will always be the arrogant there will always be the superficial mm. there will always be the vulnerable there will always be the deeply authentic and it's just about choosing where you want to be mm. how will your older self how will you on your deathbed or in your last days be able to look back on your life and be like wow i'm proud so, i'm not perfect but i'm proud of what amazing. i did so 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 based on that you know you mentioned uh, you know, you, you honed in there on social media. Do you think that's causing a greater or a higher frequency of confidence and self-esteem issues in people that you coach and, and people that you observe around you? The reason I ask that question is, as we know, social media, you mentioned likes, followers, 
that is a picture or a video in time of somebody's holiday, somebody where they look amazing. So I guess confidence, I guess I'm asking the question because it can, one is somebody could have a low confidence, self-esteem. So they go ahead and they post an amazing picture of themselves. And, and again, no judgment. This is not the core reason of that, but it's just happening on, on steroids as such. And then the other side is somebody who looks at that image and they think, oh my goodness, I'm not like that. Now in the past, the only reference point we had was somebody who was good looking at school, somebody who was, you know, a Siobhan who was super athletic at school. Whereas now it's, you pick up your phone and the reference point is 24 seven in somebody's conscious. It, you know, is that fair comment? Do you, do you see that it's, it's on steroids with your clients at the moment? Yes, I think I think that it's it's in our daily lives. It's bombarding us. Mm. And I think it's an interesting thing with social media and and it's going to be a challenge as children grow up in this sort of decade to to look at the use of social media and the function of social media. So when I work with clients, I'm just constantly banging on about what is the outcome you want? What is the outcome the other person wants when I'm helping them with public speaking, with a challenge, with a meeting, with an interview, with a business pitch? And this comes back to social media. When you click on your social media, what is the outcome you want? Being conscious, otherwise we can spend hours looking at it. Look at loads of pictures of people that basically in our mind are better than us or more beautiful or whatever. And then you come away feeling deflated and you've lost three hours or two hours or 30 minutes of your life. But if you have an awareness of the outcome you want and understanding other people's outcomes. So when you go on to post for your business or to check up on how your friends are, if you see a beautiful picture, you know, why is that person posting? Just just understanding maybe they do want reassurance. Mm. Maybe that person is trying to promote something for their business. Maybe they're just wanting to share something they did that day, but you're feeling inferior because you think they're more beautiful than you. They're not trying to make you feel inferior. That's just how you've reacted. Mm. Very good. It's just having that awareness of what, why, what am I doing? What am I using this social media for? And what is that person using social media for? Because if they've got their pictures always super perfect and beautiful or always half naked showing the latest whatever it is, then maybe they're trying to use it for a function that isn't quite in alignment with what you want to get from social media or how you want social media to enhance your life. Nothing wrong with that and people doing that. But if you just understand, then you don't suddenly spiral into, oh my gosh, all these people are so much better than me because you understand they're doing it for a reason. It's coming back maybe to awareness again, isn't minutes. it? Consciousness, yeah. yeah. And if you had wanted to do that, maybe you'd spend 30 minutes prepping yourself and getting the perfect lighting, the perfect angle, and you can look just as fab mm. in your own way. But if you're not doing it for that reason, maybe that's why your picture looks different to them. So so listening to you, I mean, obviously, I think Harms is itching to ask your question maybe around the area of building self-confidence. Just before we get to that, let me just help the listeners understand the consequences. Maybe I'll throw a question in before Harms jumps in, and, and that is what are the consequences of someone not building and working on their level of self-confidence and their self-esteem? You know, what, what's, where could it go to if they don't work on it? Well, there's a whole array of consequences, but I would say that because self-esteem and confidence is something within us and it affects our behavior and how our personality comes out, we take ourselves to everything we do in life. It's like, even if you go on holiday, you still take yourself with you. So the consequences are quite big. 
because you can't run away from the effects of not building your confidence and self-esteem. This can turn up in affecting your performance at work, limiting your business growth. This can show up in relationships. You know, your partner says something complimentary to you, but the way they phrase it, just one of your insecurities pops out and your self-esteem is low and you have a terrible evening and your anniversary is ruined, all because there was a self-esteem thing going on with you. It wasn't actually what the other person said. All the way to people spiraling into depression and situations that I explained where I was at the point of, you know, do I want to continue anymore or not? But I would say this is the slight edge. And I and you did a previous podcast with a wonderful woman called Sarah Dunning, who's incredible. And I've heard her speak many times. And uh, she was actually somebody who introduced me to the slight edge. Uh, I think is it by Jeff Olson? Yes. Yeah. And I've actually I had that on audio um, at that period. That was one of the things I listened to when I had my back being really bad. So that's something that I would say, listen to it, get the audio, get the book. I've listened to that audio about definitely more than 100 times, but I don't think it's as many as 200, but definitely more than 100 times the whole book. Because it talks about, you know, if you eat a hamburger today and got a heart attack, you would never eat one again. But if you eat a hamburger every day and it makes your health that little bit worse and in 10 or 20 years time, that impacts your heart. We suddenly don't realize the consequences. We don't take it seriously, but it's that slight edge of your health getting worse and worse. Just like day by day, if you don't work on your confidence and your self-esteem goes down a little bit more, a little bit more, suddenly you take that comment or criticism or observation at work to heart again and again, it chips away at you. In 10, 20 years time, you could be unable to prosper in your business, not showing up as the parent you want to, Mm. not having a healthy functional relationship. But because it doesn't happen that same day, we often don't realize the slight edge effect. Mm, True. That's incredible. And on the contrast to that, sorry, just to add, you just have to do one small action today to value yourself a little bit more. Mm. You don't have to be super confident. Just that one thing today and that one small action tomorrow and see the results in five years or even one month. That, okay, so that's perfectly helps me ask my next question, which is one of the things I was curious about is can somebody work on their self-confidence in a slight edge way? And what are some simple actions people can take right now to build their confidence and self-esteem, understanding what you've just described there in that previous question? Great. So yes, there are so many things you can do. And often some of the more complex, deeper things that I work on with clients, you need to do on a personal basis because you adjust it to the individual. So instead, because we're obviously on a podcast and there's going to be a range of people speaking, I'm going to give some that work for everyone that you can apply straight away. But of course, there are many, many more you could be doing. One of my absolute favorites, and I'm really sorry for anybody who's called Dave, there's no criticism or judgment. It's just something I've got used to saying and using the name Dave. But if your name's Dave, change the word to something else. (laughs) Please, there's no criticism. It just worked because I think many people know a Dave Mm. um, or have heard of somebody called Dave. So I'm painting this picture, but please do change it. Dave is a beautiful name. There's no criticism. So I say to my clients and people I work with, that voice in their head, um, you have the chimp paradox. It's a fab book. You can get it on Audible as well. It talks about the monkey mind, the emotional reactions that we get before the human logical mind comes in. That voice, that mind that gets really upset or gets really angry and reacts to things. I've actually, before I even read that book, was labeling it as Dave. 
So I was saying to my clients, you know, when you get that voice telling you you're not good enough or don't go on that stage, you're going to make a mistake, you'll forget everything you're going to say. This horrible voice that we all have, the one that speaks to us in ways that if we had somebody speak to our friend like that, we would never allow it. Or if somebody tried to speak to our child like that, we would never allow it. Yet we allow this voice in our head to speak to us in ways that definitely doesn't acknowledge our value or respect us. So I label it as Dave. And I say to clients, imagine your house and you've got this friend called Dave, but you can call it whatever you want. Or some people call it the chimp, like the chimp paradox, which it was lovely when I came across that book because I'd been doing it without even reading the book. Label it whatever name you want. So I'm going to say Dave. Imagine Dave is knocking on your door and saying, I want to come in. But every time they come in your house, they're telling you your place is a state, your house isn't clean enough, your cooking's rubbish you look horrible, you're ugly, and saying all these horrible things, you would never invite that person back. But we're letting this this Dave, this voice in our head. So when you hear the negative voice, just tell yourself, it's just Dave talking again. Dave's knocking at my door, but I'm not going to let them in. Just imagine you leave your front door shut. You carry on what you're doing. When the voice says, oh, no, you're going to make a mistake, you're going to mess up, you always do. It's just Dave. Dave can keep shouting outside. I'm not letting him in. And you keep doing what you're doing. And when you knock, you just go, oh, gosh, the voice is getting loud. I left the window open. I'm just going to picture myself closing that window. Dave can chat away, but it's going to be muted now because I've shut the window. I'm carrying what I'm doing. And make it a joke. Humor is so powerful. Make this fun. When you are about to go do something, you're about to go speak to your boss about getting a pay raise, or you're going to pitch to somebody about your business, service, or product, And that doubt comes in, that fear comes in, which happens because you're stepping out of your comfort zone. It's completely normal, happens to all of us, whatever level you're at. When that voice comes in, which it will do at some point most of the time, you just tell yourself, it's fine. Dave just wants to be my friend. Dave's desperate to have a mate. I'm going to leave him outside. He's going to shout all he wants. He'll Eventually, he'll get the message. Winter's coming. The snow will be there. He'll give up. Just keep not opening the door to Dave. If you hear it, don't worry. I must have left a window open. Picture closing the window. Laugh to yourself. God. I've been shutting the door on Dave for 30 days now and I can I hear him less, but he's just not giving up. He needs to go find himself some more friends. And if you talk to a family member who's maybe reflecting back to you some limiting beliefs or some criticisms about you, just say, you know what? I've been shutting Dave out of my house so much they've gone and visited my mum. <laughs> my mum let Dave in. My mum's been having Dave around every day, I think. <laughs> Thank God Dave's not in my house. Oh, geez. You know what? When I go around to my mum's, I'm going to have to get Dave out the house too. I'm just going to picture but I've walked him out the house and it doesn't matter if my mum or dad says those things. It's just Dave. Dave needs to get some friends. Gosh, bless Dave. I might push a, a personal development book through the letterbox in case he reads it and he's sat <laughs> outside. And just make it fun. Yeah. It becomes hilarious. I've had clients have incredible results with this where they go from a moment of tensing up because that's an old habit to literally laughing in their heads. And that, that laughter creates that release. It releases the tension so you can flow a bit more. That is incredible. That's something I said you can really enjoy. That's incredible. Now I've got a question which, what if somebody's listening to the podcast and you know they can't get Dave even to the door. Dave lives in their house, in their mind, completely yeah. rent-free. They yeah. haven't signed their eviction. Uh, they, they haven't signed their rental agreement, so they've got no legal right <laughs> they to are, They're not paying rent. They're I, mean, not paying I feel rent. for any Daves out there right now. <laughs> what or the chimp. Can, Let's say the chimp. It's the chimp, right? The chimp. I, I, love, I love the reference to Dave as well. It's, it's whatever somebody needs to label it for themselves right, in their own mind. Yeah. Have, have a fun name for this person that needs to get out the door. What if... What if they've never even shown them the door before. What 
do they do? And I'm talking about probably somebody on the extreme end of the spectrum here. So you're talking about maybe that voice within that they haven't even tried to block it out before. It's just lived there so long. They've never even, maybe they're not even aware that Dave is there. The, the, yeah. the chimp is there in their mind. Um, what What's a bit of advice for them? Mm. So Eckhart Tolle has some wonderful books, The Power of Now, A New Earth, which talks about that that voice in the mind. Because like you said, some people aren't even aware of the voice. Um, and now even us just mentioning it, when they're speaking to people, they will start mm, to notice aware, yeah. a voice mm. where they're talking to somebody and they answer in their head without speaking out loud. Yeah. That's the voice. And the way you know that it's the chimp or Dave or whatever name you want to give it is, does this voice celebrate your greatness? If not, it's the chimp. It's Dave. It's Bob. It's Mandy, whatever you want to call it. Just label it because it separates it from you. You have to give it a name because it's not you. Otherwise, you've been identifying with it and believing it's you. You have to label it with a name other than yourself. Mm. That's how you begin the separation. Mm. Give it a name. The chimp, Sally, Bob, whatever. Yeah. And I think as well, by listening to this, if, if you've not really had that awareness before, it's creating the space to notice it more than anything yes. else and just be more conscious that it's there and feel the vibration where it is in your body. Even it might be a, a feeling in a certain part of your body you need to go mm. to and you go, okay, that's where Dave's hiding right now. Uh, yeah. And we all, yeah. we all manifest it in different ways, don't we? Definitely. And um, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the ancestor of every action is a thought. Mm. So, and I think that's so true because when we have a thought, oh, I'm going to go and ask somebody out on a date. And the next thought is, oh, what if they say no? Mm. Or the next thought is, I think they're going to say yes. That affects how you go about the action. So just knowing that the thought comes before the action, even if you have a negative thought, just choose to change it. Another action you can do is modeling people. So maybe you've got a role model you admire or somebody that's showing up in a way that you want to show up in your business. If you're feeling that voice or you're just coming in that's negative or you're lacking some courage, ask yourself, what would that person say? What would that person think before they do a pitch? What would that person think before they go and ask somebody on a date? And adopt their voice as a positive voice before the action, that positive thought that will help the action that comes mm. next. So modeling people is powerful and you can look at their body language. You know, if you're rolling your shoulders forwards and you're putting your head down a lot and you're turning your feet in, that's small, make yourself smaller, apologizing for space you take up. Well, what would your role model do? Maybe they would put their shoulders back. Maybe they would lift their chin. Maybe they would take a deep breath. Maybe they would have their feet facing forward, their legs hip width apart, their feet hip width apart, so that they're owning that space and just breathe a bit. Maybe they'd shake and bounce up and down just to shift that energy. If you feel a knot in your tummy, shake about and dance a lot. Go to, I always say to my clients, go to the loos and shake about, work on your, your physical stance before you go to that meeting. Hmm. Get yourself in a really good zone, you know, play that empowering music that really pumps you up and makes you full of confidence. These are all simple things you can do to physically shift your energy. Hmm. So you don't need to worry about has Dave moved out yet or not, because instead you're going to take on that physical physique that your, that your role model does. Try and emulate their behavior and shift your energy through music, through physical movements. So, so, and focus on where's your eye level? Is it down? Is it up? Are you looking people in the eye or not? 
So, so what's great here is there's several things that you can be doing right away from an internal and an external physical state um, to start to build and not just on the, the self-confidence, but being aware of it and, and getting Dave to, to park himself outside or herself. Julio, if you're from Spain or wherever you come from, can think of a different name from India, whatever. But the, I guess added to that question then for me, because we've got quite a lot of people that might be listening in business and they are okay in their profession but sometimes under certain conditions like a certain level of pressure comes on them they feel that that confidence doesn't come across as well so they may be knowledgeable in their subject they might even know they're they've been in that job or that business for a while but sometimes when they're faced with a conversation with another person who might be slightly more arrogant might feel more confident and they're under a pressure situation how can they come across more confident whether it's a workplace a business place or challenging situations Lovely question. So this comes back again for me every time. It's what is your outcome? I think often we speak so much and it's nice to, you know, just chat with friends and talk generally. But when you're going into business meeting, when you're at work, even when you're speaking to your partner, just having an awareness of what is my outcome in this conversation? What do I want to achieve? And understanding their outcome. So first of all, you get clear because when we're nervous or when we're speaking to somebody that we think is more confident or somebody that's a little bit aggressive or in a more in a higher status role in our job, in our career, the brind can get a bit chaotic. So let's calm the mind, take a deep breath. What is my outcome? Slow down your breathing. Slow down your thoughts. And as you speak, focus on my outcome. If you want your boss to know I'm a valued employee and I add value, that's why I would like a raise. Just focus on that. Remember that outcome as you speak. Don't allow yourself to get flustered. If you feel flustered, just take a deep breath. What is my outcome? What is my outcome? It just calms the mind down. Otherwise, people can go on a long tangent, cover so much detail that's far or or on a different path to why they even started the conversation. And that comes a lot with nerves. Sometimes people start talking and they don't want to stop or they don't know how to stop. So then they've lost focus. It's just fo- when you focus, the calm minds, the mind calms, where focus goes, energy flows. What's the outcome you want? And slow down. That's amazing. You're so speaking too fast. Uh, so that's amazing. So I'm, when I was listening to that, uh, where I was just writing down on a piece of paper and I'll read it out, is is almost like a formulaic approach here. You've got the outcome plus you've you've spoken about the clarity of message. Be really clear on the message. Don't go off on a tangent and go down that rabbit hole, which is away from the outcome that you want. So you've got outcome plus the clear message and you combine those two as a formula and you will get as an output confidence. Um, is that fair yeah. to say? As I was just, I was just yes. making some notes as you was uh, working us through that. 100% and I think it's it's powerful when you harness the power of breath when you use your mm. breath mm. you can actually begin to synchronize mm. with the person you're speaking to and when you're speaking too quickly I'm not talking about when you get passionate I'm talking about we're talking about nerves or mm. feeling a bit uncertain yeah panting exactly lovely demo row <laughs> <laughs> um slow down your breath because if you've got that quick agitated speed the other person will pick up and respond to that when you slow down you take a deep breath it allows you to think more you remember your outcome what is my message and you you say 
whatever sentence or few sentences you want to say and continue to breathe, you're allowing the other person's space to respond. Dr. Wayne Dyer, I refer to him a lot because I admire his work and it just resonates with me. He talked about we have uh, about responsibility. He breaks down the word, your ability to respond. That's your responsibility. It, and it, his, another saying he would say is about, you know, when you squeeze an orange, does apple juice come out? Does other things come out? No, it's always orange juice. Doesn't matter if your scary boss squeezes it or your mother-in-law or your ex-partner squeezes it. Orange juice always comes out of oranges. So let's work on our ability to respond, our responsibility. And people line up with that. If you slow down and breathe, the person you talk to will slow down and breathe. Mm. They'll have more time to think and consider. Their frequency will shift. But if you're rushing, and this happens at work, right? They, oh, no, I haven't got time to talk. I've got one minute. Go, 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 go. That, that's so difficult to react to that, mm. isn't it? But if you take a deep breath, the outcome, focus on your outcome, not a long story, they will slow down. And the fact that you're being clear and you're focusing on the outcome, they'll appreciate that. And it will allow them to slow down because they trust you're focusing, they can focus. You're not telling them a big, long story, mm. which just gets them more agitated anyway. And, and the nice thing about that process is that you are putting your anchor down and saying, we're not going fast here. I'm in control of the pace of this conversation now. So it's yes. bringing back that confidence. It's owning that confidence in a simple way. Yes. And this is this is something that I'm passionate about for confidence and self-esteem. It's a mindset shift, owning the space you're in instead of apologizing for the space you take up. And that's the difference. Yeah, beautiful. Some people feel like they take up space. Others own the space mm. they're in. Mm. Yeah. So when you own it, then if you're slowing down and you're saying, we need to decide if we're placing this order or not for the, for the project to progress. If they're erratic and they're rushing, I haven't got time to just tell me details, tell me details. And you say, we need to decide and we need to consider these three factors. Mm. If they're saying I'm rushing too much, you say, okay, we need to decide. But if you haven't got time, we need to make time to, to, to discuss this and consider the three factors before the project, project can progress. Mm. Because you've put that anchor down, you've owned that space. If they then question it later on, you can say, we spoke briefly, I explained we needed to decide and consider three factors. You told me you didn't have time. Mm. I let you know, we have to make this decision before the project can progress. And you didn't have time then and I waited for you to tell me mm. and I asked you when you could have time so I wasn't able to progress then you've got clear factual information of what you did to make that project progress and it's in alignment with what happened mm. that's that's unquestionable whereas if you go into some long essay about this is really bad if this happens that happens blah, 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 there's so much detail that they don't know who to blame what happened why it didn't work. Incredible. What to improve. Incredible. And and I know, Siobhan, you're a master at this, but for listeners listening at home, just the way Siobhan played out that scenario, mm. you know, you just listen to her pauses when she restarted the sentence, the clarity in which she spoke. It's, it's just such a good lesson for anybody listening, you know, almost a, almost a script or a vocal script there. Now, I want to move on to another question I had, which was, You've given us simple actions. You've given the listeners what to do when they're in challenging, high-pressure situations. What if they go out now into the future and they do this and they're getting great results for this, their confidence and self-esteem starts to grow? What I want to help them with, and maybe you can help them with the solution here, is how do we stop them from slipping back into the old 
almost disempowering habits of not having the confidence and not having the self-esteem. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping you can help them with. Nice. Okay, this is there's so many things you can do, but let's keep it simple for now because I'm conscious of time as well. So your daily routine and how you start your day is huge. And people say, you know, oh, you got out of the wrong side or the right side of bed. I don't really believe that, but I think you can start your day in a powerful way. And if your day is not going well, you can choose to restart at any moment. So setting yourself up for success, daily routine. If you want to work on building your confidence and self-esteem, I would suggest plugging into an audio or a podcast like this that inspires you, that you can learn from, helping you to model people who have the qualities that you want to emulate. You know, if you want to build your self-esteem and there's somebody that inspires you, when you connect their message and connect to what they do, you'll start to hear their voice more. You'll start to understand how they speak more. You'll be able to think clearly in the way that they think because you're bringing them into your average five people you're in most contact with. If you're connecting with their podcast, you don't have to have them in the room, but you're, you're putting people of success through podcasts, through audios, that you're bringing those into your average five. So start your day off with some sort of inspiring or powerful podcast, somebody that's got the mindset that you want to work towards because you'll learn from listening to them and that will reset your mind away from the old habits. Don't worry about Dave or Bob or whoever, (laughs) that negative voice, you'll start to bring in this positive voice. Next thing I would say is, I know it's used a lot, but affirmations are powerful. If there's a belief that you're not good enough or maybe you don't communicate well, just picking one statement or one phrase that empowers you and repeating that in the morning some people say three times I'd say go for 10 times or even more if you can you know I am a powerful communicator or I communicate clearly Mm. and effectively and just repeat it to yourself I communicate clearly and effectively or I bring value to everything I do I bring value to everything I do not I'm the best or I'm perfect but I bring value or I add value All of these things will just help to reset you and refocus you for the day. That's something simple you could do. That's amazing. And and before we move on to the next one is, I know you explained that affirmations, they do get spoken about a lot and I would agree, but I always question, because I know I fall into this disempowering habit of not doing them. So I think this is a fantastic reminder for the listeners who no doubt understand the power of affirmations and you've given some great examples there and giving it some amplitude rather than once rather than three times do it 10 times because you you've already described to the listeners the consequences and we don't want to go back to those consequences so doing your affirmations doing these actions that you just laid out is so powerful so thank you for sharing that and almost reminding myself that I need to I need to start doing my affirmations again yeah, it's, it's can, I, can I jump in actually whilst you were there Siobhan I've actually opened up one of the workbooks from one of my events I think it's the communication mm-hmm. event and you know that one of the things that you've done on stage many times at our events is to read out we call them affirmations but what Siobhan's really going over here is also they're just statements of a belief about who you are so this is very yeah. much about going back to your core beliefs so I just shout a few out from our events for those of you listening that haven't been uh, Siobhan will recognize them because she's often read them out as well and it kind of does you might think well does it relate to confidence it does because by you making a statement which has got i in front of it 
especially I am, is really a bold embedment of that belief. So here's an example. I'm a leader and a force for good. So if you're confident and you have self self esteem, then you certainly would be a leader and a force for good. Another one is I'm a powerful, passionate and impactful communicator, which is exactly what Siobhan's talking about here. Another great one. I'll read one more out. I'm an amazing observer of people everywhere I go, which actually, if you go back to what she's been talking about, if you observe people and you see great people, you can model those people as well. So it's about putting a really strong statement out there, not being afraid to do it. Yes, and I think one of the challenges that maybe have turned some people away from maximising the power of affirmations is because we need to adjust them to our own selves and our own journey. So there might be an affirmation that really works for your friend, but doesn't quite work for you. Mm. Or it might be that, you know, saying I have the biggest and greatest business in the world feels so far away that it kind of doesn't touch you deep within. So you need to notice have an awareness of your emotional response to your affirmation if it lights you up if it makes you feel love if it makes you feel a warmth within if it makes you feel a bit excited excited or empowered that's what you go for if it makes you feel like oh that's not true or yeah, yeah i wish then let's let's rephrase it let's adjust don't beat yourself up if the one that your friend said is great isn't what works for you because you're unique mm. and that's what's beautiful about you so Find something that's what you want to work towards, but not so far away that you feel detached from it. And the way you can tell is how you feel in your body and emotionally when you say it. Some people talk in front of the mirror as well. Some people find that looking in the mirror, maybe if they've got some insecurities about the physical appearance, they find that they are too busy judging themselves to be able to take in the affirmation. So again, listen to your emotions, Mm. notice your body, how are you responding? When you look in the mirror, does it make you feel like you're really owning it and then you're seeing yourself say it so you feel more empowered? Or when you're looking in the mirror, are you almost switched off from the words you're saying because you're too busy looking at what your hair looks like or that little feature that somebody criticized years ago or yesterday? So you don't have to do the mirror. It's all about a choice. Mm. Some people close their eyes. Some people play music whilst they say it. Some people love to do it whilst they drive or travel on the tube. Just listen to the feelings and the body's response. Mm. And I think the key word that's coming a lot from Siobhan here is ownership, just owning those feelings. It's about the value she talked about at the start of the podcast, which is, you know, you have to value yourself above all else in terms of who you are as a person, what you believe in and own it, own those values, own those beliefs. There's so and one of the things, yeah, I'm sorry, I want to jump in another one, if that's okay, just to help with habits. Can I squeeze another yeah, yeah. one in? Great. So um, it's important the environment you're in, whether that's your work environment, your home environment. And some of these things we have more control over than others. So your home, of course, you can work on decluttering, putting up a vision board, putting up your affirmations. But when you go to your workplace, you can't always control who's going to be working in the office with you. So having an awareness of your environment, making your work desk nice or making the environment where you work from home on your business or how you present, go out into a meeting, you know, what you dress, what briefcase you take, how you've set up your laptop and everything. Those are things you can control. Own those. Enjoy adjusting those to make them empowering. And the things you can't control, like other people's responses, the traffic, the the office that you work in, just understand that those things are beyond your control 
and just observe what's going on that when you observe you start to detach yourself mm. that way you can get another perspective rather than being consumed by it amazing so i'm conscious that we're coming to the end of the podcast but i always like to wrap up with harminda we, we always reach out and ask our amazing guests which you've been today and there's so much, i think people are gonna have to unpackage all this and go back it's just <laughs> different wow. processes yeah. what will be maybe one wisdom or learning that you'd like uh, that you've gained certainly uh, along the journey that you'd like to share with them what's one more thing that you'd like to share with our listeners thank you before i say it this may seem very simple but if you apply it throughout the day particularly if you just try for one day to apply it again and again and again you will realize its power even more i want to preframe it with that so you are wearing tinted glasses and so is every person you meet and by that i mean imagine sunglasses and they're tinted blue and somebody else has sunglasses tinted green and you both stare at a piece of white paper if you've only ever worn those glasses one of you will swear that that paper's blue and the other will swear it will green, be green. And you both will be completely right because of the tinted glasses you're looking through. Mm. So in life, rather than worrying about being right, just understand that you're looking through everything with tinted glasses and so is the other person. Your tinted glasses is how much am I valued? How much am I loved? Am I good enough? Is this person reacting because they don't think I've done well enough? Or is this person confirming that my business is good and the other person is reacting and have got their own stuff that's fogging up their glasses and tinting it a certain way? It allows you to have more compassion and it allows you to react differently. You don't react from fear anymore because you know it's just the tint of my glasses. That's amazing. So thank you so much. Ro, do you want to do a little sign up from your side because I know Siobhan has been a part of your life for so long. You yeah, met yeah. at the turning point, you know, at a point mm. of Cicado, which is yes, incredible. Yes. So this is quite a blessing. Yeah. Um, just thank you for being here today. I think you've brought grace to the table around two blokes. <laughs> um, but also what I like is there's a real mixture of, there are stories that based on the experiences you've had with other people, there's practical tools and tips here. There's an honesty and authenticity in your message. And I think anyone listening to this will have taken away some, some great tools that they can implement straight away more than anything yeah. else. And that's really what we're here about on this show. So again, thank you for coming down. I think we're going to probably need to get you in to tackle some other subjects. Certainly I'd like to bring you in on the communication side because that's, yeah. that's a growing area at the moment. And I think we need to talk to that space, but, Listen, uh, you know, I know you've had somebody looking after the little one. Uh, she's she's in the background somewhere. So thank you, mum, for coming in and beautiful woman and amazing coach and just uh, spiritually balanced and evolving human being as you are. So thank you, Siobhan, thank for being Thank you so here. much. It's such an honour, honestly. You two are incredible beings and it's a blessing to be invited. Thank you. Incredible. So everything Siobhan has shared with us today will be in the show notes yay and you can find the show notes at cicado.com and also in the show notes I do encourage you if you don't write this down or instantly search this on your phone is go follow Siobhan on Instagram or Facebook at confidence.esteem if you've connected with her if you've loved the messages which I truly have go and follow her just repeat that again so they can hear it at confidence.esteem and that's on Facebook and Instagram. If you're unsure, I will put those in the show notes as well as all the amazing magic Siobhan has shared with us today. So 
from myself, Ro and Siobhan, farewell. Hello, it's Dr. Ro here. Harms and I would like to both personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Cicado Show. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal, on a professional level to help your life and maybe other people's lives, then please complete an important action for us, which takes less than just two minutes. Please become a supporter of the podcast by going to cicado.com. And as a thank you, you'll get access to exclusive supporter perks. And don't forget to simply subscribe to the show, share this product with loved ones. And we would love if you would take a moment to give us a review and let us know just how amazing this episode was. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Owen Harms signing out. We'll see you on the next episode.